have uh, the pleasure of um, talking this morning with senior investigator at NIH and uh, director of uh, genetics and endocrinology and at uh, NICHD NIH, uh, Dr. Konstantin Stratakis. Uh, Dr. Stratakis, first of all, uh, I hope you are well and healthy and thank you very much uh, for your time. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'd like to uh, to start our uh, discussion uh, with um, uh, how you you got into the research and medicine uh, and that field. What was uh, some uh, key uh, people that influenced you in your life, and uh, uh, was this a calling from early on? Yes, I as a child I was always uh, interested in um, you know what what things are made of and and uh, i had what i think most researchers share uh curiosity i think this is the main attribute that uh, most researchers in all fields of science from archaeology to humanities to biology to medicine uh, to physics uh, if you ask any scientist what is the one thing that they share with everybody else in science is curiosity. And I think if I go back and look at myself as a child, uh, I think that eternal questioning on what things are made of and, and, and uh, you know, how things happen and, and, and you know, an answer dri you know, driving the next question, I think that's what uh, made me to be a scientist um, today. And your uh, journey to NIH, um, you finished um, uh, the university in Athens, and uh, you came as a researcher. Did you was it uh, was it always your plan to uh, to be at uh, in the United States or no? Well, I started at the medical school in at the University of Athens, where I also uh, did my PhD. Uh, and I I really wanted to do research, as I just said, even from high school. And I was very interested in genetics. I did have uh, a, an illness in the family that uh, guided me towards endocrinology. And so very early on, I wanted to be a geneticist and I wanted to be an endocrinologist. And here I am. I mean, today I'm the director of endocrinology and genetics at NIH. It's, it's almost funny to think about it, you know, right? So I, I, envisioned myself doing genetics and endocrinology at the age of 18, and here I am today. So I, I went to the places where I could get that type of training in Greece. I was very fortunate, and that is always the case, I think, for any scientist. I was very fortunate to have a great mentor, Professor Batrinos, um, when I was in Greece, who guided me. Um, he was also a Francophone, and I was a Fra I mean, I spoke French, and he spoke French. He was educated in France, um, and I had finished the Varvakis uh, Gymnasial High School in Athens, and I was in the French classes there. So I went first to France to a laboratory that Dr. Professor Batrinos had arranged for me, and I loved it, and I got a job offer from there. Um, but I had relatives in the United States, and I met Professor Crusus, who was my next mentor. And he invited me to NIH, and my family was in Washington. Uh, they had immigrated to the United States back in the uh, 19th century. So I had family here. Crusus was here. Great man, great uh, philosopher, really, a scientist and a philosopher. And so from Batrinos, I uh, went to work with Crusus. 
uh, via France. In Paris, I had also a great mentor, Jean-Pierre Luton. And that's it. I mean, I stayed in the same field, you know, endocrinology and specifically adrenal and pituitary gland, which is what I uh, both Jean-Pierre Luton and George Cruz's were doing. And uh, in the 19... Uh, so I also, of course, had to finish my, all my medical training. So I was lucky that I was accepted by Georgetown University here in Washington. So finished my training in pediatrics, in endocrinology, and genetics, medical genetics. And then I was again very lucky that Francis Collins, who is now still the director of NIH, started the genetics uh, uh, effort here at the NIH. And, and he, you know, he, he and others recruited me back from Georgetown to NIH, and I started my lab. And I have been working since 1995 at NICHD uh, and gradually rose through the ranks to be the director of NICHD, a position from which I just stepped down to be um, the director of genetics and endocrinology um, at NICHD. So it's been a journey, but um, I think it, it started with that, what I said before, you know, that curiosity to be a scientist, uh, which developed when I was 16. Uh, but then very early on, by the time I was 18, 19, I knew I wanted to do genetics and endocrinology. I found the right people. I think any scientist will ask you that. Having the right people is very important. And, of course, timing. I think, again, everybody in life, uh, that's not just in science, you have to have the right timing. So I, I, I uh, was very lucky that Francis Collins started the genetics efforts here at the NIH right in the mid-90s when I was starting my career. And... So people, yeah. timing, and of course internal, you know, driving and, and working very hard. There's no question about it. But there's a lot of people that work hard. And if you don't have the timing and if you don't have the mentors and if you don't have uh, some luck, I guess, uh, that, that, that always favors the prepared, as, as the saying goes, um, you know, that's, that's where it is. You have done some um, uh, fascinating uh, work. Uh, the latest uh, paper you, you published um, is about, about uh, a mouse. Please uh, tell us what, uh, what you found and, and why is it uh, important? Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, so this paper just came out December 3rd, uh, 2020. And, of course, you know, we've, we've published a lot of papers over the years. Uh, but it's always good to speak about something so recent that has attracted uh, late press uh, attention. So um, I've been working for many years on a, on a pathway called cyclic signaling. It mediates all the signaling of all the you know, many hormones in the body, and it does a lot of things, right? So I've been working on it for 20 years now. Um, I think what's important from the discussion for people that are listening to us to get is that in medicine and in science, uh, in life sciences, it's very important to use models of disease, right? So uh, in this case, we use a mouse model. Uh, mouse models are important, but there's uh, many other animals that one can use. Uh, again, it, it, animals and cell lines and all of these things are just models. But they're important because they give you very quick uh, information on what you're looking into, and sometimes the discoveries are fascinating. So in this particular case, we basically knocked out a gene in the mouse that is involved in cyclic AMP signaling, but it is expressed in a very particular part of the brain called the habenula, right? So it doesn't matter. It's just a small part of the brain. Don't remember the name. You don't have to remember the name of that part of the brain. But what is important is 
we knocked out the gene right there. And what happens is amazing. This mouse that has nothing else, it's perfectly healthy otherwise, basically runs willingly and avoids sugary drinks. I mean, what a phenotype, right? I mean, it's a perfect mouse. It doesn't, it doesn't drink Cokes and it doesn't, um, and it, it runs willingly. So you throw a wheel in the cage and the mouse goes and runs without stop. I mean, it's crazy. Um, so when we first uh, found that this mouse was not gaining weight, I mean, that's how we made the observation, right? So we put the mouse in the cage and the wild type mice, you, know, you feed them and they gain weight, right? This mouse wasn't gaining weight. And we started, again, we, as I said at the very beginning, you know, I was 16, I was asking why. So I asked my fellow, I said, why is this mouse not gaining weight? And my fellow said, oh, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, you are in the right place to find out. So that's how we started investigating it. And we found out that the mouse is not gaining weight because it basically runs insensibly. And, uh, and it doesn't, you know, he likes it. I mean, that's the, to the point where when we, you know, finished the experiments and one thing we asked was, okay, what will happen if we stop this mouse from running? So we, we, uh, we actually did exactly that, right? So we put a lock on the wheel. And so the mouse would go on the wheel and it wouldn't run, right? Because the wheel would not turn. And the mouse got upset. We actually, we could measure how upset the mouse was. Uh, we, have all, we have all the tools to do so. And uh, so it's beautiful, beautiful work. It was just published in a, in a major journal. It's called JCI Inside. It has attracted the late press. And, you know, the, uh, I, I gave an so interview. So is, yeah, is, is it possible that, uh, you know, in, in the future we find a way that we all love uh, to work out and uh, we won't eat uh, donuts? Yeah, so, so I was just about to say that one of the journalists that I gave an interview to uh, from the Endocrine Society asked me the same question that you had just asked. And I said, well, you know, I think it's very, I mean, it's very straightforward to think that in a few years from now, we will have a nasal spray. You wake up in the morning and you're about to exercise, but you don't feel like it. So you get this spray, a couple of puffs, and then boom, you know, it activates that center of the brain and you are off to exercise. Or you don't want to, uh, eat too many uh, uh, desserts that day, you get a couple of puffs and you don't have the urge to eat uh, desserts. I, I mean, I'm simplifying things, right? Of course. But uh, I mean, that's basically how all the medications that we have today came up. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that, would be, that would definitely change uh, uh, my life. Uh, any, uh, obviously, this is the, the latest work and you should be very proud of that. Uh, any other... Um, uh, significant uh, uh, things that you're proud at the NIH? Well, uh, in my own lab, I've been working for 25 years on signaling pathways in cancer, and so we have found a lot of genes that are involved in tumor development. But I think, you know, I, I should say here that work that I'm not involved, except for very peripherally, um, I'm very proud of NIH's lead on the development of the vaccine for COVID-19. I think uh, your audience should know. Uh, by the way, I work uh, one floor below Dr. Fauci, so I see him frequently. He's my friend. I know his family. I know his wife very well. Um, his wife also works at the NIH. They're fascinating people. But I'm very proud of NIH's lead on the vaccine. People should realize 
that never in the history of medicine what was accomplished in the last few months has ever been accomplished before. It's a, it's, it's a way to see the future. It's clearly a segue to the future, but it's also an amazing accomplishment. Uh, I don't know if people understand that. It, I would compare it to uh, humans on the moon um, because to recognize the cause of a disease and, a, and hopefully eliminate it within less than two years, right, from the, from the time we first heard about this virus, um, and the vaccine will not completely, not eliminate, but eliminate the disease, right? So I'm not talking about eliminating the virus, I'm talking about eliminating the disease. Yep. But so, so, so doing that in less than two years, it's just, as I said, it's just never happened before. And as an accomplishment in terms of, in the life sciences, I think it is as important as uh, going on the moon was for humanity. Now, you, you're a scientist. Uh, how was, uh, how did you deal uh, with the lockdown, with the isolation, with uh, uh, the pandemic uh, when it was a surge? And obviously now uh, in a lot of cities in our country, we're still having a terrible, terrible surge and uh, lockdowns. How was it for you uh, on uh, both uh, from uh, a scientific point of view and also from a, a personal point of view? Yeah, it's been very difficult. I think it's been very difficult for my lab and my people. Uh, obviously, uh, I lost a lot of students that were, you know, I'm, my lab is very international. Uh, I, I, I have one third of my lab is American students and postdocs, but uh, most of the others, two thirds, are from international, mostly from Brazil, Greece, France, you know, the, the places that I interact with uh, research-wise. And they, you know, I had to cancel. I had to cancel people, right? So this is detrimental for the uh, young people that want to start their careers. You know, two years when you start your career is is not trivial, right? Um, so it's been very bad. Uh, but but safety is first. Uh, one, two. I think clearly there is to use this cliche phrase: "There's light at the end of the tunnel now." But more importantly, again, we all gain from what happened. We all gain from this disaster in that we use technology that before had never been used, the RNA technology to make a vaccine, one. Two, we gain in convincing the FDA and the regulatory agencies to do their work quickly. Uh, and three, uh, we build a system that was unimaginable before. I mean, I was just reading this weekend uh, the effort that's being done now to get uh, minus 80 freezers uh, around the country to transfer the um, the Pfizer vaccine. It's it's monumental, and, and it's what, amazing. What would you say? What would you say to the audience that is listening now and they're still afraid? They're on the edge. They they don't want to take the vaccine for many reasons. It was too fast. It was how can they do it so fast? Uh, what about the side effects? What would you say to uh, to our audience about that? I I understand the 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 questions. I think I'm a scientist, and as I said before, as a scientist, the first thing that you always have is criticism and questioning everything. However, 
Uh, understanding the question doesn't mean that there's any justification to deny the vaccine because it is a public health need right now to go ahead with it. However, and I think that's the way that any reasonable person should accept it and say, listen, guys, I'm getting the vaccine because I understand that there is a need. I know and I trust you've done your best to give me the best vaccine in the world as safe as possible. However, I do want to make sure that my name and the date that I get vaccinated is recorded so that if I develop any symptoms or anything happens to me, you have a record of it for the future generations or for the, you know, for the future of, of the vaccine. So, you know, I understand the questions. I don't understand the, the refusal to be vaccinated. Uh, I want to I want close our interview and we can also speak a little bit in uh, in our mother tongue in, in Greek. Um, you have been involved with a, a very significant project, uh, Aristia, uh, and uh, also you have made uh, a commitment uh, that you're going to go back to Greece. And uh, and I think you are uh, a poster child for what we say brain gain uh, to to gain back. Uh, the talent that has uh, gone away from, from Greece. So, για ποιο λόγο αποφασίσατε να γυρίσετε πίσω και για ποιο λόγο αποφασίσατε να ασχοληθείτε τόσο ενεργά με την αριστεία. So let me just say a few things in English first for people that don't know uh, what αριστεία is. So uh, look at that. There's a website. Uh, so if you put αριστεία in my name or Uh, you will Google that and you will come up with it. Um, it. It is an organization that aims at uniting Greek scientists and others that uh, are interested in bringing uh, a, a new wave of science and, and thinking uh, to Greece uh, and, and beyond, as well as uniting uh, the, the, the thinkers uh, that think like us Uh, here in the United States. Aristia has also proposed recently uh, the creation of a uh, research system that has been supported by 53 leading scientists of Greek descent from around the United States and the world um, that will fund uh, early stage investigators that, and senior investigators that will decide to come back to Greece. And uh, we are in the preliminary stages of creating an organization that will secure this funding. I think it's very important. Now, we are not asking for money from the government, actually, uh, from the Greek government, because we don't want, we understand um, the issues uh, and the, you know, the financial issues that Greece has. The, our point is invest now for the future. We think that science is Greece's future and uh, it can be accomplished with minimal investment, and it will bring back multiple fold of uh, income and, uh, most importantly, national pride and technology, because Greece cannot survive in the highly competitive world of the 21st and 22nd century. I think we have to start thinking now about the next 100 years. This year, 2021, we're celebrating two centuries of Greece, new Greece. Well, as we celebrate, We have to think about the next 100 years. And in the next 100 years, in this flat world, to use Kaplan's book, 
right, flat earth, we are competing against billions of people from all other continents. Greece cannot afford not to be a leader in science and technology, otherwise it will disappear. And so um, we come together, uh, great scientists, great thinkers, to work with Aristia and propose certain things. I hope that you know we are at the very beginning. Uh, if your listeners are listening to me today and they want to send me an email and, and to me or to Dr. Rosatos and the others that are listed on the website, let me know. I, I, I count on everybody's support on what we want to do. But let me answer your question about me personally. You know, I, uh, when I first came here, I went to France first in 1988 and then to the United States in 1989. Um, and I, I, you know, if you had asked me back then, would you stay? Would you be in the United States at the age of 56? I'm 56 now. Um, I would say, get out of here. Absolutely not. I'm Greek, right? I'm a Helen. I, 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 my, my heart and my, my mind uh, is uh, where I'm from. So I think after, you know, 30 plus years here and a, a career, uh, I'm still young, I think, I feel <laughs> that I'm young. And I want to go back. Can I make a legal in Νομίζω ότι είμαι σε μια ηλικία που μπορώ να προσφέρω και έτσι είμαι σε διάφορε επικοινωνίε με την Ελλάδα για να γυρίσω. Μου δόθηκαν οι ευκαιρίε και παλαιότερα να γυρίσω και οφείλω να ομολογήσω ήταν καλέ ευκαιρίε. Απλά ο χρόνο, γιατί είπα προηγούμενα, timing is very important. Ο χρόνο δεν ήταν ο καλύτερο για μένα προσωπικά. Τώρα ο χρόνο είναι καλό για μένα προσωπικά. Πιστεύετε ότι η Ελλάδα είναι έτοιμη να δεχτεί ανθρώπου σαν και εσά. Η Ελλάδα είμαστε όλοι εμείς, έτσι. Νομίζω ότι η Ελλάδα, εμείς θα αλλάξουμε την Ελλάδα. Ε, η Ελλάδα είναι αυτή που είναι, την ξέρουμε όλοι. Ε, νομίζω όλοι την αγαπάμε με, όλες τις, τις, με όλα τις τα προτερήματα και φυσικά τα λαπτώματά της. Αυτό που προσπαθούμε να κάνουμε, όλοι όσοι έχουμε ζήσει μια άλλη εμπειρία, για να μην πω στο εξωτερικό απλά, αλλά μια άλλη εμπειρία είναι να μεταφέρουμε τις εμπειρίες μας τη χώρα, ούτως ώστε να κάνουμε αυτό που είπα προηγούμενα. Η Ελλάδα δεν μπορεί να μείνει πίσω στον 21ο αιώνα. Ιδάλλως θα σβήσει στον 22ο. Η μόνη ελπίδα για την Ελλάδα είναι η ανάπτυξη, η έρευνα και η τεχνολογία, η οποία μπορεί να γίνει τώρα για να μπορέσει να επιβιώσει στον 22ο αιώνα. Κάνουμε τις προσπάθειες τώρα για τα επόμενα 100 χρόνια. Γιορτάζουμε τα 200, Γιορτάζουμε την Ελλάδα που έχουμε, αλλά θέλουμε η Ελλάδα που θα επιζήσει τα επόμενα 100 χρόνια να είναι η Ελλάδα που όλοι έχουμε στα όνειρά μας. Δόκτωρ Στρατάκης, ευχαριστώ πολύ για το χρόνο και για το κομμάτιο της ιστορίας και το κομμάτιο της Γρήσης. Ευχαριστώ πολύ. Ευχαριστώ για την ευκαιρία και καλές γιορτές. Καλές γιορτές. Bye.